Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. God is good despite what's going on in our lives. And, and, and we have to remind ourselves that no matter how our week or month or year is going or even our day, that God is good. And, and there can be certain days that, shoo, man, just be a lot. I know yesterday was a lot for a lot of you. Uh, it just was like, what a day. Sometimes when you have those days that you just, there's so many things pile up or so many things happen, you feel like this. <laughs> that is an otter. It made me think about it. I went on a field trip with my son to Otter Point the other day, and there were these otters all around. It made me think about, that's an, an otter with his hands up. What, when you have your hands up like this, what are you trying to say after you have one of those days? I surrender. The otter surrender. Like, that's okay. You can have it. I surrender. I had one of those days, so I don't want to pick on anybody else. So i just you know, tell you about my day real quick yesterday. Uh, it was just one of those days. I had all this great plan. Uh, the neighborhood was bringing in a dumpster, and they were allowing all of us to just dump all of our trash for free at 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. And so, you know, uh, my wife and I thought it was 9 a.m., so we're like, oh, we're just a little bit late, so we got all this stuff. We get down there. By 9 a.m., it was already all filled from that last hour, so there was nothing. To, so here I got all this trash and nowhere to dump it. That was great. That was how my day started. I'm like, oh, it's, it's not, not so much a big of a deal. My son wanted me to go to the bank with him. He wants to open up a new bank account. He's, he's all excited about that. So I'm like, well, I'll go home and, and work with my son. And get to, I get home and find out we are infested with ants. I mean, like, and not just one or two of them. Like, they bought the whole party, right? And they're like, let's find out what's going on at the Simon household. So we're dealing with the ants. I'm like, okay, I can't deal with the ants right now. I got to go and take Austin to the bank. So I go and we drive to the bank and we get there and they take one look at Austin and say, how old are you? And he said he's 15. Well, we can't help you. Nothing we can do if you're 15, right? And so he's slightly disappointed. So I'm trying to work with the, the banking agent there to figure out what we can do. And they have new systems and new cards now. So I'm trying to figure all that out. He's a little upset. We get in the car and we say, well, let's go to another bank and see what we're doing. So I get in my car. I'm driving to another bank, thinking about them amps, thinking about the trash. And I'm driving. I'm thinking, what are we going to do? I got to find this bank. What am I going to do? Let me look on my phone to find a new, to new, new bank because I had an idea what I was going to do. And I can't find my phone. I'm looking everywhere. It's my pocket. Here it is. I'm halfway down the road. And Austin's like, Dad, maybe you left your phone at the bank. So here I am turning around. The bank's going to close now because you know, the bank's closed early. So I got to get my phone. So I'm driving back, get my phone, trying not to get mad, trying to get frustrated. I drive all the way back. I get my phone. Thank the good Lord they had my phone. So I got my phone now and I'm, I'm back in the car. I'm driving to get ant traps. Guess who I see at Home Depot? Brother Pat Corelli, I don't know where he was. Brother Pat Corelli and I said hi. We got to pray a little bit, say what's up. So then I'm thinking, okay, the parking lot's full. I got my ant traps. I'm ready to go. I got to go to church and do something. So I got something, some chemicals, and I, I got in the car. I'm driving to church thinking the day's got to get better than it is right now. And as soon as I thought that, I mean literally as soon as I thought that, here's the red and blue light. I'm like, come on. I'm not speeding. I'm not doing anything, right? I, they pull me over and they say, you know, license and registration. Of course, I just got a new registration because it expired last month. So I got the sticker, but not the registration thing. The one I have is expired. So I'm going through my glove box trying, hold on, officer. I'll find it, right? On a busy road, nonetheless, I finally give it to him and he tells me I don't have a front license plate and this is not good and I need to obey the laws. And I'm like, yes, Pastor Chris, I know. And so, you know, I'm going through this and Austin's just like shaking his head. And so finally I get past all that and I get to church and 
My son and I, we're doing some, some work and we're, we're mixing some chemicals and the chemicals specifically say, do not mix inside. So I figured, well, it's not too bad if I just put the water I- inside. I'll get outside and mix it, you know. But as soon as I put the water into the chemicals, the fumes started coming up. My son and I are like, we're going to pass out. Get it outside. So we finally get it outside. It also says on the instructions, do not contact the skin. Right? It specifically says that. And I'm like, you know, look, son, I'll do it. I'll mix it up. So we gently mix it. We gently carry it. We're, we're a little bit, you know, loopy from the fumes. And so I begin to apply the chemical. And I took the, 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 the I don't know, the brush that I was using. And I figured I'd, I would dip it in gently. And I'd put it on the wall. As soon as I put it on the wall, I'm telling you, it was like a sponge. I hit the wall. And the chemicals just go, splat, everywhere. All over. And I'm wearing shorts completely down my legs. So here's, he's, he's like, that's not good. I'm like, no, that's not good. He's like, does it hurt? I'm like, yes, it hurts. I have these chemicals. Oh, give me some paper. It was that kind of day. And then I felt like that. I just, I surrender. I surrender. So that was my day. I'm sure everyone has had days um, where you just feel like you surrender, right? There are days where you feel like you surrender. So the question is for you today, when would you or why would you ever surrender? Let that seep in for a moment. Why would you ever surrender? I want you to think about what the word surrender means. And I want you to think about you as a human, as a parent, as a spouse, as an American. Why would you ever surrender? Be the need to surrender. What is the basis for surrender? So when I think about surrender, I immediately think, as that picture, as that picture showed, of just your hand straight up, I, I surrender. And in most cases, you know, from media and otherwise, I, I think of this in, in, the, in the context of a situation where really I have, have no choice, right? I think, uh, you know, if a, you know, a, a burglar came up perhaps and he, he had a, a weapon, a gun of sort, and, you know, he says, put your hands in the air. Like, okay, okay, what do you want? My wallet, my phone, take it. I surrender, right? And so I want you to think about that. And so I have some pictures here. So th- 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 this is the, the first image. I think one reason that we are prompted to surrender is because of fear. Whether it's a burglar or whether it is um, some type of weapon, whether it's the military or it's the police. If you're in a situation where there's a gun pointed on you, you are going to surrender. Raise your hands in the air, similar to like this. And, and I can't imagine a situation like this in wartime where, you know, my, uh, you know, my unit was um, surrounded and we had a surrender walking towards the enemy. But this happens all the time. Straight fear. I want you to think about what's going on in their minds, what's going on in their life. Surrender. Now, for many of you, surrender doesn't look like this. Many of you, um, you know, aren't in wartime or, or don't serve in the military, and you serve in the war of life, and you deal with the children and the job and the teachers and the school, and you deal with just every day, everything. And so surrender for you may look like this. Does this look familiar? This is when it's just utter exhaustion. I love the picture. It makes me think of Amber. Not that she's exhausted all the time, but look at the size of that mug. Amber is a professional coffee drinker. She's got some coffee. She's got, yeah, she's always got something here. And so it made me think of Amber because it's like, the picture reminds me like, even with the coffee, I'm still exhausted. Like the coffee's empty and I'm exhausted. This is another form of surrender. It's just like the day has just worn me out. I'm exhausted. Another form of surrender is, is this one. 
This one is the famous waving of the white flag. You know, and this one is one that, this one you would demonstrate or you would express surrender, right? This is when you're in an um, exchange and ultimately you've been outsmarted and you realize it. In a competition or a war, you've been outsmarted. Perhaps you've been, in, in wartime, you've been outflanked. In a game, competition, outsmarted, outflanked, you've been outmatched. And so you just wave the white flag, you win. I surrender. I want you to think about when you would ever surrender. What emotion would come over you to force you to surrender? What does surrender mean to you? Because we're in church right now, and I'm sure everybody, on the sound of my voice, knows where I'm going. Which is, do you surrender to God? Does he want you to surrender to him? Have you surrendered to him? What is it like to surrender to God? And I'm sure most of you who've been in church for a long time say, yeah, yeah, I've surrendered to God. And some of you today may be here thinking, I don't know if I've surrendered to God. So as I began to study the scriptures and pray about this church, it occurred to me, the Lord made it really clear, through scripture and through prayer, that there is an epidemic in our country. There's an epidemic. In our country and not just the ones you see on TV because there's a number of those in politics in social circles in the health fields there's a number of epidemics but this one specifically is what I believe is called PSS so I want to know today do you suffer from PSS some of you are scrambling on your phone what is PSS what did you what is this well this is a very Kingsway term PSS stands for partial Surrender syndrome. Partial surrender syndrome. What is partial surrender syndrome or PSS? PSS is this challenge that we have as humans to be either forced into surrender or in the midst of surrender knowing full well we don't completely want to or we're not going to completely surrender. We may do it like this for a moment, but there's something else going on in our mind. Right? So if, for instance, the burglar has the gun to me, it's partial surrender syndrome. Because the moment the burglar drops that gun by accident, I'm no longer surrendering, am I? I'm going to pounce that guy like it's no tomorrow. Or girl. Um... You know, if, if it's this wartime and you're walking up surrendering and now all of your buddies come from behind and outflank the enemy, you're not going to surrender anymore. It's partial surrender. Or perhaps in that middle of exhaustion, you know those moms who are exhausted from those children that are feeling that way, surrendering in the moment or just surrendering in that moment. They're not surrendering for good. They know that once they get their energy back up again, they'll find a way to push through the day. It's partial surrender. What was the last case I used? There was the mom, there was the war, there was, what was the last one I used? The flag. Oh yeah, partial surrender. Yeah, so you, you know that you're outflanked, you're outsmarted for a moment, you know that, but you also are thinking, oh, if there's an opportunity to do this again, if there's an opportunity to recompete, if there's an opportunity for me to get the upper hand, I'm going to get it. It's partial surrender. And how does this manifest in churches all the time? It manifests in you. It manifests in churches and Christians 
by the fact that you have your own thing going on all the time. Every one of you has their own thing, and it's not Kingsway. You have jobs, you have families, you have kids, you have agendas. Everybody's got their own thing. And their own thing is, is this thing that's inside of you that keeps telling you, when you surrender, just do partial surrender. It's constantly reminding you you're only partially surrendering. Your will is only partial surrender to your job or to your spouse or, or even to the Lord. Your authority, only partially surrendering that to the Lord. And it's manifest the most, honestly. You'll see this in churches everywhere. You'll see this when people come and talk to me about what's going on in their lives. Or you'll see this in my house when my kids talk to me. Um, you'll see this all the time. Partial surrender syndrome is most obvious when you see the attitude. It's obvious, right? So if I'm surrendered here like this because you had a gun to me, I'm scared out of my mind. It's fear. That is not a true surrender. That is a fearful surrender. And in churches with kids, you'll say, yeah, I'll do it, Dad, but and you have this attitude or you have this disposition about you. Your attitudes will be a great indicator of PSS. Any form of resistance, any form of resistance, including your attitude, including other thoughts, any form of resistance is an indicator that you're only partial surrender. Because the context of surrender, church, the context of surrender is to utterly vacate your position and to give it over to someone else. The Bible says it like this. It says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. How could you possibly do this if you haven't completely, truly, and totally surrendered to God. Because your mind, your heart, and your soul is constantly focused on something else. And this world will give you no shortage of options. Amen? The point of this verse here that Jesus is giving us, the point of this verse, it's not just your heart. It's not just your soul. It's not just your mind. He wants all of it. All of it. All of it. He wants all of you. He demands all of you. He gave all of himself for you. Why shouldn't he demand all of you in return? The way I like to think about it is, Jesus wants a seat. In kids' church, I don't know. I'm sure you've done this, Laura, or, or others have done it. I, I love talking about using seats as faith, and I'm not going to do it right now, but you see my point. He wants a seat in your life. And for kids, we'll say he wants a seat in your heart. He wants to come and sit on your heart. He wants to be the throne of your heart. He wants a seat. And why do we want to give him that seat? Because when we give him that seat, he becomes the decision maker. He becomes our focus. He becomes our desire. The question is, are we willing to give him the seat or are we just going to share the seat? Hmm? Now, before I continue, and I'm going to go into a little more detail here, I want to share with you this. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't preach about things that are easy, as you've noticed. If it was easy, why well, don't I need to talk about it? Post it on Facebook, create a meme, and move on. But if it's not easy, then it's something we've got to talk about. And that's what church is supposed to be about. That life is hard. We are human. We are sinners. We need God's help. And it's not easy. And so to prove the fact it's not easy, or to truly understand that, Christ himself 
came out of heaven, came down to planet earth, and walked around as one of us. And when he got to the Garden of Gethsemane, he realized how difficult it is to be you and me. How difficult it is to surrender completely to Father God in heaven. He realized how difficult it is to let his will be secondary to God's will. It was the man side of him, the full man side of him that was saying, me, me, me. That he had to give up for God's will in that moment. The full God side of him, which is why he started bleeding. You guys know the story. So I'm not saying this is easy, but what I am saying is, because of that scripture of Jesus in the Gospels, of him in Gethsemane, because of so many scriptures about him telling us we need to surrender, because he says over and over again that we need to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, he has made it clear to me that we need to talk about PSS. So again, PSS is a serious condition in churches all across America today that result in Christians never truly offering God a true and total surrender. A true and total surrender. We only want to offer God a partial surrender. You see, what's interesting about the things that I've said before uh, about the you know, fear or about the exhaustion or about being outsmarted, in those situations, we're not truly surrendering to the enemy or to the one who's advancing on us. We're surrendering to our fear. We're surrendering to our exhaustion. We're surrendering to our own plans and positions, hoping that there'll be another day, another day of plans, another day of positions, another day to get back where we started. That is not surrender. That, that is a tactic. And so today, what I want you to think about is true and total surrender, genuine surrender, with no thoughts of having a hostile takeover, no hopes of coming back no plans to try again, but to give yourself your plans, your heart, your soul, and your mind totally to God. Now I'll also say, before I continue, that I also know it's particularly hard this morning because the football game is going on and everyone wants to see what's going on with the football game and the football scores, so I have a trick for you. If you're watching the game, it's okay. I understand you may be looking at scores. If the Ravens score, you're excited and you want to express it, all you need to do is say, God is good. You can say anytime, anytime during the service. For those of us who care about football, if you hear God is good, you know what that means. If you don't, you'll be like, all the time, all the time, God is good. I get it. There's no stopping the, the cell phone usage under, under the pew. Um, you put the Bible over it. I know all the tricks. My point is God is good no matter you're looking at the scores or not. Um, but it is hard, and I find it very ironic that today's message is about complete surrender to God when there's a major distraction going on. But I want you to get a hold of this. PSS is an epidemic. And so I began to look in the Scripture and ask God, what are the risks for PSS? Who's at risk, and what are the risks for PSS? So I say here, there is a major risk. You know what the major risk is? The major risk that I want you to get on your hand. It's a very simple message today. The major risk, you see that? That's me, right? The major risk is me. You can look at your neighbor and say it's, it's not you. Look at your neighbor and say it's not you. Yeah, the neighbor is not your major risk. It's you. You and me and each one of us, we are at major risk for PSS, and we are the major risk for PSS. It is ourselves that is the major risk of partial 
surrender syndrome. So I want to go in the scripture and share this with you. The number one symptom to know that you're at risk for PSS, the number one symptom, it's all throughout scripture. I, I found three or four different amazing parables uh, multiplied across the gospel. So I'm just going to pick one today. But the major symptom to know you're at risk is when you have some of these. Do you have some of these? For those of you who can't see the screen, that says excuses. Excuses. I can't go to church today. Football game's on. You know, no, I don't really want to be a part of the Christmas cantata. I can't sing. Well, Amber said you can be a part of it if you don't have to sing. No, you know, I don't really want to help out at church. I don't like the clothes everybody wears. Or I really can't do that because I got to do this other thing or that other thing or this thing or that thing. You see, here's the problem. If you want to put Jesus in the throne of your life, if you completely and truly surrender to him, there'll be no excuses. Why? Because it'll be up to him anyway. Maybe this is a little too abstract, too confusing for you. How about a video? Can you dim the lights for me and turn the volume up a little bit? I have a video to prove my point very clearly of what I'm talking about. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, oh. So let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. <laughs> Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So, let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh. I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. <laughs> well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Do you see the point? She suffered from PSS, partial surrender syndrome. She gave Jesus the chair at times. When really interesting decisions needed to be made, she wanted to share the chair with Jesus. When Jesus was in the chair and wanted to bring up things to really talk about, she got very uncomfortable with that and wanted to get Jesus off the chair. And then as every good Christian who suffers from PSS will, when you have the chair in your hands and Jesus ain't on it, 
and you know you're not doing good because everyone's pointing things out to you, you, you obviously say, no, I'm not one of those Christians. Obviously, I want Jesus to be the throne of my life. Jesus, just take it, take it, take it, Jesus. PSS could be clearly seen in Scripture. So if you want to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 9, feel free. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it out loud. It's a short parable. It starts around verse 57. So Luke chapter 9, verse 57. It's one of those stories that's in a, it's in a lot of the Gospels. And you probably have heard it before. But now in the context of PSS, you'll be able to identify too. And you don't even need to be a licensed physician. In 57, it says, quote, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Does that sound like some of us Christians? I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. 59. He said to another person, how about you? Come follow me. The man agreed. But then he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go preach about the kingdom of God. 61. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me say goodbye to my family. 62. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that these scriptures would come to light very clearly, very simply as we go through them. In Jesus' name, amen. I may not even get past this, church. I want to really share this with you. You see, this is in other Gospels over and over again. It's the same story of three different people, all with PSS. So let's go with the first one right here. But Jesus replied to this man, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, and the Son of Man has no place to even lie his head. Why would he say this to a guy who just offered to come and follow him wherever he went? It's because Jesus knows our heart, church. Jesus knows what's going on. This man he's talking to, you see in another Gospel, that it was a scribe. A scribe was one of the professions back then, high-level profession back then in Israel. It, it's akin to like a lawyer today or a government high diplomat or official. They were well-paid. They were high status. This was effectively a man saying, hmm, Jesus, everyone's following you. I'm going to add that to my resume and follow you today. Maybe when I follow you today, I'll get some more stuff to add to my resume because that's what I want to do. And he says to him, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lie his head. Do you realize if you follow me, it's going to be difficult. You may not even be able to stay in any of the homes that you own. You may not even have a blanket or a pillow. Even birds and foxes have more than that. He's effectively putting this man in his place saying, you are suffering from PSS for this moment in time you say you follow me. But if you were to honestly try to follow me, you would give up. He calls himself the son of man here, church, and, and I, I, I can't stop and not talk about it before I go on. He calls himself the son of man. Many times call himself the son of God. 
And other times he calls himself the son of man. Well, he's 100% man and 100% God, so he has the right to do both. When he calls himself the son of man, it's on purpose to remind ourselves that he is man. Put it in context. This is what Jesus was saying to them. It's a little hard when you are a man and you're not 100% God to understand this. But let's put this in context. As he is also the son of God, meaning this was one of the three of the Trinity who literally was in heaven having his awesome time with God the Father and the Holy Spirit reigning over the universe, creating good things and giving good gifts and watching over everyone. And instead, from that experience, he decided to come down to earth and live like a man and be involved and around and see all the sinful people and now have to be effectively contaminated around all these people. The Son of God became the Son of Man. And instead of being in mansions, he now doesn't even have a place to lay his head. The master of the universe created places for foxes and birds, but no place for him. Is this a God that you can fully surrender to? The man agreed and said, I will follow you, but let me return home and bury my father. Look, this is another major excuse. We say it all the time. I got something more important to do. And you want to judge importance? My dad died. What's more important than that? I'm going to go home and bury him. Every one of us has got an excuse of why not to surrender to God. What's going on? Oh, you're going to take me to some faraway missionary land and I don't want to go there. Or you're going to take all my money away from me. Or I'm not going to have anything good in life. Or I'm going to just be uh, such a pauper. And so, no, I can't follow you. We all have excuses. What is yours? What is your excuse that is your symptom of PSS today? What is my excuse? He told him he wanted to bury his father. Now, Jesus, he has a turt response here. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Your duty is to go preach the kingdom of God. It is very true, church. Let the dead bury the dead. It's just the body, the souls in heaven. We as Christians should be glorifying God and being happy at the funeral, not worrying about so much who's putting the body into the ground. But Jesus is also calling him out because back then, uh, when someone died in, in Jewish time, you mourned them. And so no way in the world this guy's dad just died that day and he's hanging out with Jesus not mourning. You see, it's an excuse. We make them up all the time. We make them sound good. They were good back then at making them sound good. Jesus called them out. Here's another excuse. Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. That's legitimate, right? That's legitimate. Let me go say bye to my family. He says, anyone who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. He is saying to this man, no, you can't go home and say bye to your family. That's partial surrender syndrome. You're just going to go find something else to do when you get home. They're all going to tell you, don't follow that crazy Jesus. He's going here. He's going there. Stay with us. Love on us. Be with us. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. You have to stay here. All the above. The point is, if we are willing to surrender totally and truly to God, it requires our, all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind. Are you ready to give God everything? Church. He wants to be at the throne of our heart. He wants to not be fighting and arguing about who's sitting on the seat with you today. He wants you to give it all. Now, church, this was the whole sermon, the whole thing. 
this is what the Lord gave me to share with you today. And, and I, I want you to get a hold of it. And I want for those of you who are struggling with surrendering to God, I want this message to speak to you. And this would be the time I would normally close. But today's a special Sunday. I know the football game's going on. It's going to be over when you walk out to church no matter what. So there's no reason to rush. There is. There is. A, a hidden uh, a symptom, if you will. There is um, one that's not so obvious. It's lurking that I wanted to share with some of you, but it's going to require you to want me to share it with you because it may not make everyone feel so good. So this is the question. Do you want me to continue to show you a very scary symptom of PSS, or are you just comfortable with sharing the, the chair? Are you sure? Well, you want me to continue. You want me to continue. We have another one. L let me hear by the sound of God is good. See, there's another major risk. It's what I call the dormant symptom. Any of you who study medicine, any of you who, my body has suffered from Crohn's disease for many, many years. And often is the case, the best you can hope for is it to go dormant. The same thing with cancer. You hope that it goes dormant, which effectively means it's not tearing up and ravishing your body. But there's still symptoms when, when diseases go dormant. And so the dormant symptom here is something I want to talk to you about, but it's not for everyone. What I just gave you there, that was for everyone. This part of the message is for you out there who believe you've surrendered to God. You know the value in surrendering to God. You're a leader or want to be a leader. You're a spiritual giant. You may even be a sleeping giant right now. You've heard a message like this, and you have said, I have surrendered to God. This is a good message. I'm glad the pastor's preaching it. But as a part-time pastor, I don't have the time to get around to all of you and make all the phone calls and have all the meetings and, and, and be able to share with you intimate thoughts. So I'm going to share it with all of you. There's not many of you here, so I'm going to share it with all of you right now. The dormant symptom is very scary. And the Lord shared with me in Scripture, and it, it, it opened my mind. Because I started studying this, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Which is a symbol of surrender. I surrender not out of fear. I surrender not out of exhaustion. I surrender for a different reason, Lord. And he give you all the reasons we give excuses for. The dormant symptom, though, is something that we need to be aware of and I need to educate you on. It's this concept of a hidden agenda. A hidden agenda. I want you to think about what a hidden agenda means. It means something that you don't actively talk about out loud. It means you have a plan that you've concocted in your mind behind the scenes and you hope it plays out a certain way, but you may not share it. In fact, it may happen in the subconscious. You may think a certain way without even saying it in words. It just may exist in your psyche. All of you know what I'm talking about. And people who are seedy, you know, ooh, that guy's got a hidden agenda. I know what he wants, or I, I can think I can figure out what he wants. I believe today that many sufferers from PSS have a hidden agenda. It's part of our society and our culture. The way I like to say it is, we believe that God has something for us. All the time, he has something for us. In other words, we're so self-centered as a culture that we go to God only because he has something for us. And not just because he's God. 
Do you see the hidden agenda? If you surrender to God purely for the reason that he's got something for you, you will be a sufferer of PSS the rest of your life. He wants you to surrender to him for no other reason than you love him. Church, even if you get nothing in return, there will come a day, church, there will come a day where God removes the Holy Spirit from this planet and he ceases to be active on earth. There's seven years of it. We call it the tribulation. And I am thankful that God is still doing work today, but he is serious about how you would react to him if he stopped. And this is what surrender means. It started in a scripture like this. You see, Peter, he heard everything. He saw all the excuses. He saw the fake Christians, all the fake people following him. He was the leader of the church. He was the true rock of Christ. He says to Jesus, I will follow you. I will give up everything to follow you. And he said it again in Mark chapter 10, verse 28. See, Jesus, we have left all to follow you. We have no excuses. And Jesus asked him a very interesting question. Tell me why. And he says it in Jesus' way. It's in verse 29. You can read it yourself, but let me shorten it for you. You see, you see at this point in, in services like this, and I've heard this sermon many, many times before, but it goes a little something like this. If you surrender to God, if you put him on the throne of your heart, and you'll hear it just like this, it'll be a really, really good thing. Why will it be a good thing? Well, because God will give you the desires of your heart. He won't just send you over to be a missionary. He'll want you to be a missionary, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And then, then the pastor will say, you know what? When he's on the throne of your heart, we can trust in him. And when we trust in God, he'll make our path straight. That's why he should be on our, our throne, because our path will be straight, because he'll give us desires of our heart. They'll remind us of, of the Beatitudes that says, blessed are the pure in heart. When Jesus is on your heart, when he's at the throne, you'll be blessed, and you'll be able to see God. These are all great reasons fantastic reasons to be open to surrendering to God. All great reasons, church. But what I'm trying to tell you right now is all of those reasons are not the reason that you should surrender to God. Because at the center of all of those reasons is you and your hidden agenda that if I somehow, somehow, if I surrender to God, I will get something out of this. He will wash me clean of sin. He will bless me. Hopefully one day he'll parade me around the church to say, look at me. God has blessed me in so many ways because I've surrendered to him. I'm a showcase for who God is today. Peter said it right here. It happens to all of us. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you the secret to PSS. You need, Peter, to truly and genuinely and totally surrender. And there's only one way you can know you're doing it. Hey, Jesus says it in the next verse. If you surrender for one reason and one reason only, for my sake and that of the gospel, can you surrender today simply for the sake of Jesus Christ? What if he wouldn't do a single thing for you from this day forward, would you still surrender? 
Now that's the question I want you to think about. This is not too foreign. You see, as I was preaching this to myself and going over my head, I was struggling. Like, is my church going to get a hold of what you're saying to me? God, this concept seems so big. How can I get a hold of this concept? And then it occurred to me, this concept, I realize every day I wake up and look at my wife or look at my children. This is the definition of unconditional love. God loves you no matter what you do. No matter what you do. If you don't do a single thing for him, he loves you. And he wants you to love him the same way. And he's taught you how to do it. He's taught you with your spouse and with your children. You love your children no matter how bad they are at school. No matter how nasty they are to the neighbor's kids. You love your children. No matter what anybody thinks about them. You love them even if they don't do good things. And you should love your spouse the same way. If you learn to unconditionally love your spouse no matter what he or she is doing for you at the time. And you can serve them despite yourself. You will have an amazing marriage. Unconditional love. My wife and I, we like to, to say it like this. No matter what, will you love Jesus no matter what happens in this world? No matter what the politicians, the presidents, or the authorities, or the terrorists are saying or doing. No matter what buildings are going up or coming down. No matter what's being sung on the pulpit or what's being said in the hallways. Will you still love Jesus? Another way to say it is whatever it takes. I am willing to give whatever it takes. And I tell you, I prayed it this morning as I sat down. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, you can count on me. No matter how I feel, no matter what my energy level or enthusiasm is, no matter what you did for me yesterday or didn't do or what I recognize or didn't recognize, even if you don't do another thing, you can count on me. So... I said, well, somebody's going to ask me, is there a cure for PSS? Because I don't want to suffer from this anymore. What's the treatment for PSS? I think the treatment's pretty simple. When I look at Scripture, when I look at what he said to Peter, when I look at what he said to all the other disciples following him. Oh, and by the way, uh, just to share with you, just real quick to close this out. It says here, that, that verse I was reading, you know, it, the chapter 9 ended with Jesus told the man off. Verse uh, one of the next chapter 10, it says this. I love this. Uh, so three people came to Jesus. Three people wanted to follow him. He told all three people off. And then he said in the next verse, the Lord now chose 72 other people and sent them ahead. I don't want Lord to choose 72 other people. I want him to choose this 72 right here. This 72. And how, how can I encourage you to be part of the 72 that he sends out, like in this verse right here? The, the prescription, it's simple. Time with Jesus. You need to learn to fall in love with Jesus the same way you fell in love with your spouse, the same way you love your children, the same way you love anything in life, football, job, money, experiences. You need to spend time with him. You need to fall in love with him. Learn and experience who he is. Read about him. Talk about him. Ask about him. Pray about him. Share him. If you begin to do this, you'll begin to make mental connections. You'll begin to make heart connections. You'll begin to make soul connections. Church, I encourage you today to fall in love with him. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. 
It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.